This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of the Average Savage podcast. Our special guest today is entrepreneur Mike Chafin. Mike, how's it going? Fantastic. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, for sure. Let's go uh, back in time a little bit. So what, what were your uh, college days like? I know you went to University of Texas, Arlington. Yes, uh, I started out like a lot of people at UTA. I started out in engineering, which mm-hmm. uh, we all refer to as pre-business. Once I hit my first physics course, realized that engineering was probably not my strong suit and ended up switching into uh, marketing. Gotcha. What, what made you switch to marketing? You know, since I was a kid, I was always selling, uh, whether it was, uh, you know, lawn mowing service to mm-hmm. uh, car washing service. I was always out there doing it and recognized that, you know, hey, I, I'm an entrepreneur at heart and wanted to learn a little bit more and uh, the marketing side and how better to push and sell my services. Gotcha, gotcha. And um, I know you went back to college eventually for your MBA, but what did in between that you started your first company? So how did you get started with your first company? Well, right after college, I, you know, like a lot of people at the time, mm-hmm. you know, thought that my phone was going to ring, and I sat by for about forty-eight hours staring at a phone not ringing, and realized they're not coming to me because I have a college degree. So went out and hustled, found a job in the software industry, and it was a young company, and they were on a rapid growth path, and really learned a lot about business through that process. Watch them grow from a $30 million company to over a $100 million company over a couple years. And uh, at that point, I knew I wanted to do my own thing. So had my first failure with a company called Reunions Data Services, uh, trying to do basically what classmates.com did. And uh, at the end of that process, I had some mutual friends starting a software consulting firm. Mm-hmm. And I had enough technology background and sales background that you know, I had one that was really strong on uh, process reengineering and a, another person that was strong on systems development and felt I kind of rounded them out with the sales. So I joined them. And, uh, you know, we had a, a pretty good successful run, growing it over seven years to uh, I think we maxed out about 173 employees. Gotcha, gotcha. And um, what, what year was this around? Uh, started that around 93. Okay. And, uh, you know, we kind of suffered the same fate. A lot of technology companies did at that time, around 2000, when uh, kind of the market fell. Yeah. And, uh you know, we outlasted the dot-comers because we were pretty heavy in telecom. Mm-hmm. So I think we outlasted them by about three days, uh, proudly. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, just did uh, quite a bit of independent consulting after we had uh, sold that business off. And what, what made you go back to school like during the time I know you were running your business still? Well, you know, at that time, I looked at I was, you know, kind of filling spots on uh, mm-hmm. some of the consulting side. And, you know, the MBA was, uh, you know, first off, something that was needed from a credibility standpoint. Mm -hmm. And, you know, second, it really helped, you know, kind of hone some of my skills. And SMU just had a phenomenal network as well. So that was, you know, kind of the third reason I joined up and went through that program. Gotcha. Yeah. And I'm assuming like back then, like it just meant more to have like a master's degree. Oh, absolutely. And people looked at that as uh, a necessity on the management consulting side. Yeah, because, I mean, nowadays, like, 
everyone has an MBA or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I look at the MBA today as like the college degree back yeah, yeah, in yeah. the 80s and 90s. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's just a, a requirement. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Now going into, how did you meet up with uh, Nelly and become his uh, business manager? It actually was through a friend and, and a lot of luck. I just happened to be at a friend's office mm-hmm. uh, when a friend of his friend, uh, you know, basically worked for Nelly, was in his security and he was having some issues with, you know, his staff had grown significant. And, mm-hmm. uh, as an artist, you know, you're rapidly growing and adding a lot of people around you. And, uh, you know, he had a, a gene line called Apple Bottoms that was, uh, you know, just starting off. And they were starting to struggle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he wanted someone to come in from the outside that had no connection and kind of take a look at his business. And we went through and uh, saw some opportunities to fix Apple Bottoms, and we went from a $2 million company to a $120 million company over the next, uh, I want to say about five years, five, six years, and and then from there, just started working, doing, you know, he was real pleased with those results, and <laughs> just continued to stay on board, working through other projects, and launching other businesses, some successful, some uh, not so successful. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and what was it like going from, like, a tech field to, like, kind of in the music industry? I know you're on, like, the business side of it, but... Tell you, it was a learning experience. You know, the business world, you had much tighter schedules. Mm-hmm. Stuff happened during the day. And, uh, you know, it, it was just uh, that business space I, I knew. And then stepping into the business to consumer, you know, there's a lot of people always trying to grab your role or, or play that, you know, trusted confidant to the artist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's in a very aggressive industry. Yeah, definitely, definitely. What are some other uh, ventures you executed with, for Nelly or with him? Uh, we went through full life cycle with this uh, Pimp Juice Energy drink mm-hmm. um, at the time. It it, it was a, uh, you know, it wasn't a long-lived venture, but fun. It was based off one of his songs. We've been a little bit skirted in the restaurant business a little bit and uh, took some hits there, but... Uh, after that, we're looking in the CDB space right now. We have uh, Three Commas Clothing Line, uh, mm-hmm. which is a entrepreneurial brand with Mark Cuban. And uh, right now, we're working in the software space on a basically a digital thank you app, so to speak. It's a blockchain-based app that allows people to ask for favors and reward friends with their own personal currency for, for favors. Gotcha, gotcha. Were you there when uh, he had the Reebok deal? Uh, yes, Actually, um, we were uh, in negotiations with a few uh, shoe lines uh, to come up with a deal, and uh, Reebok was really trying to uh, jump heavy into that space and, and gave us the most attractive deal and came out with the Air Dirties at the time. Yeah, he was like one of the first uh, hip-hop artists to get his own shoe, right? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, a lot of athletes were, were doing it, and mm-hmm. he was, uh, you know, just launched sweatsuit and uh, you know, uh, he was doing very, very well, and uh, Reebok wanted to step in that space. And I think uh, one of the things that, that happened during that time is literally within days of signing the contract, Adidas uh, acquired Reebok. Oh, that's crazy. And at that time, Adidas didn't have the same vision, and, you know, pretty much that's where the relationship decided to just go our separate ways. Gotcha. Well, isn't it crazy now that all the brands are doing it oh, yeah. with artists now? <laughs> The one thing with Nelly, he he has been a pioneer. Uh, A lot of artists get their career directed. Nelly, since I've known him over the last 15 years, has directed his own career. 
and you know he's topped the country chart twice. Mm-hmm. You know he he's done a lot of first in the industry, and uh, you know I, I always think he does it uh, a heck of a lot more quiet than other artists. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Actually, when I was talking to Jay Irving on the last podcast, we were talking about uh, Nelly going uh, hitting the number one on the country charts because you know how like Little Xanax and Billy Ray Cyrus have their song right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once again, he was one of the pioneers of that before they did that this year. But uh, he's done a lot for the St. Louis market as well. You know, he's well loved there. And uh, I remember at one point they said, you know, St. Louis is known for three things and, uh, you know, the Arch, Lindbergh and Nelly. And for those who don't think Nelly's one of the three need to go over to Africa and see a bunch of kids wearing St. Louis Cardinal hats and they have no clue who the Cardinals are. That's great. And they're just mere known. That's crazy. That's cool. So, yeah, going into Three Commas, the clothing brand, you started with Nelly and Mark Cuban, correct? Uh, yes. Mark and I first – and actually, Mark approached us because we did a lot in the apparel industry, you know, mm-hmm. our success with Apple Bottoms and everything. And Mark and Nelly had known each other in the past. And, you know, I'm from Dallas, so I'd always reach out to Mark and, you know, set Nelly's calendar. And, uh, you know, if you ever had friends or anything that needed access to it. And, and one day Mark reached out wanting to do, uh, you know, kind of a web store mm-hmm. with, you know, just some fun shirts and, and quotes and everything. And I stayed up uh, over the weekend, worked through coming up with cool logos for him, you know, Mark Cuban clothing, and sent it to him. And for those that know Mark, he's a man of few words, and but he'll respond to every single text. And so I sent him the logo designs and asked him which one he liked, and he just responded no and then had three commas. <laughs> and I had no clue what he meant. And I, I replied back with three question marks. And he just said, there are three commas in a billion dollars. And I thought that was absolutely clever. We went through, did some more designs. And, you know, he wore the shirt on Shark Tank one time. And Mike Judge just happened to see it, wrote it into the script of Silicon Valley. And at that stage, we decided, you know, let's do a little bit more with this. Mm-hmm. So so we spent some more time on the logo, got Nelly involved because, you know, just from a fashion sense standpoint and uh, reach, we thought, he believed in the brand, believed in the concept, and, uh, you know, really helped come up with some new designs that we plan on launching in the spring. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. How'd you guys get the name? But you answered it. And uh, what about, like, what's what's the long-term goal? Is that is it to get into, like, retail or, like, stay online? Uh, Mark's always an online guy. Yeah. And uh, so that's our preference between Amazon and our online store. He also, you know, invested heavily in a, uh, or not heavily, but invested in a fulfillment center. Mm-hmm. So we got great rates and, and it's really helped out his other companies. And that's, that's the thing with Mark. He does a great job at, you know, over and above all the other sharks at supporting his ventures. Uh, he has an individual there that really builds relationships with Amazon, looked at fulfillment being an issue for a lot of Shark Tank companies. So they went out and found uh, an up-and-coming uh, fulfillment house, invested, and helped them grow. So mm-hmm. they do a great job at supporting us. Gotcha. Yeah, that's awesome. So I saw you're also uh, involved in uh, Stadia Ventures. What, what is that all about? Uh, St. Louis University has a professor there that uh, basically rebuilt their entrepreneurship program and I think went from unheard of to ninth in the nation. And, mm-hmm. you know, he basically looked at uh, the one of the problems with a lot of accelerators, they focus on any, you know, the best technologies, the best anything that comes through. So you could have, you know, a car wash technology sitting next to a esophageal transplant. 
So when you try to sit there and pull in judges, advisors, and, and everything through this process, you know, there is that no consistency of uh, people you can bring in. Mm-hmm. Well, they focused on sports and esports. And uh, I've been involved for a couple years now, and they do two cohorts a year. And now they go through about 4,000 applications to narrow it down to 10 companies. Those 10 companies come in and present to 120, 130 judges. And these judges are everywhere from the head of innovation of Nike, head of innovation of Under Armour, to professional athletes, professional sports teams. It's really a great group of judges. And the amazing thing that uh, the founder of Stadia has done is really integrate the judges as a family. Mm-hmm. So he encourages all of us working, talking together uh, in between cohorts. And it really has developed a family. Anytime anybody needs something, they can reach out to, you know, whether someone just judged once or, or been to all seven. And, you know, they get a call back. So it's, it's been a phenomenal experience. And uh, I always love when these technology platforms come and people say, you know, hey, we're the first. And everybody's kind of looking at each other. You know, we just saw three in the last cohort. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Is there anything like that stood out to you so far that you've seen? I've learned a lot about esports. Uh, you yeah. know, I'm not a gamer myself, but uh, the audience is is absolutely amazing, and the, and the technologies and the just the social side of it's incredible. I mean, you look at what Fortnite's done, mm-hmm. and the audience they draw bigger than Facebook, bigger than a lot of the the social applications out there. So uh, that's been fascinating, as well as you know, it's it's a data driven. Uh, you know, sports is becoming more and more data-driven, artificial mm-hmm. intelligence stepping in, really trying to define the consumer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's frightening knowing that you have cameras at the stadium and that camera is just on your looks doing, you know, demographic analysis. So, mm-hmm. you know, Major League Baseball can see, you know, okay, here's the average age, the gender, here's how many season ticket holders actually showed up to their games. I mean, it's amazing the amount of data they're looking at today. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you're going to, back to esports. Like, I think it's, I still don't get, like, the people watching people play on Twitch. I mean, I get it, but, like, I just don't, I don't see myself ever watching someone play video games. Oh, the, and the funniest thing, Nelly, 10 years ago, was pushing me, and, and I, I hate to say this, but I laughed at him. He's like, you know, we need to make this software where people can watch, like, me play Snoop and, and individuals <laughs> play each other. And he called it out way before Twitch. And I looked at that, and at the time, I was like, who wants to watch someone else play a video game? And yeah. I couldn't even fathom that. <laughs> and, crazy. you know, I have to humbly say, he he was right, and he was right long before anybody yeah. else. Yeah, even I remember one day I, I turned on ESPN, and they, they were doing a draft for, like, the 2K League, like the basketball. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, well, sports teams are, and, and the, the price is so inflated, sports teams are trying to figure it out. Yeah. And when you've got these, you know, executives that have no idea about gaming mm-hmm. uh, coming in and trying to figure out, you know, the gamer experience, it's tough. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your first inclination is buy a gaming league or buy, buy a, a gaming team. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a challenge trying to pull in that knowledge. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. You probably just have to hire like a 15-year-old. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and can they give the best business, uh, you know, business yeah. advice on, on valuation at that age? I don't know. You never know. Um, going to like everything you're doing right now, like how do you balance like working with all these people and companies? 
uh, poorly, um, <laughs> <laughs> I will say. Um, that That's probably the biggest challenge. And, and I tell you, the, the one person who, you know, is definitely a role model in that category is Mark. He knows how to say no better than anybody out there. And, uh, you know, that's one of the biggest things you got to learn, you know, how to do. Mm Because I I remember what it's like being on the other side when you're needing help with your startup. And, you know, I have such passion at helping people. But, you know, you you could spend 80 hours a week helping other people get their business off the ground and realize that you haven't taken care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the hardest things to basically have that discipline to say no. Yeah, definitely, definitely. What have you learned from, like, creating your first company to, like, your current business ventures? I tell you, sales, your forecasted sales are never going to be what's expected. Mm-hmm. And your expenses are going to be twice as much as you forecast. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, cash flow is king. And you got to really watch that. When you get in a cash crunch, that's the last time, uh, you know, that's when you least want to be asking for money. Mm-hmm. So it's really managing that and watching the right numbers. I think so many people get their company started and they're just, they're not prepared. And then at times there's a risk you have to take and not a lot of people, you know, want to throw everything on the table to risk. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, what, what advice would you give to a young entrepreneur? I think some of the, the best things people can do, especially when you're in school, you're the least riskiest person to talk to other executives. You know, everybody wants to give advice, but once you graduate, they look at you as a time waste. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I advise everybody that's in school, that's thinking about going down the entrepreneurship path, build your network and build it aggressively and make sure and look at every relationship and figure out how you can give value to that relationship before you ask. Like with Mark, you know, I probably sent Nelly's schedule for a year and a half, two years before we ever, you know, met face to face to talk on his apparel store. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I was genuine and I didn't have any need for him at the time, but I knew it was a relationship and, and someone that I respected that, uh, you know, I invested the time in. So I definitely recommend they do that as well as be a sponge on data. Make sure it's something that you're interested in and that you have the time to devote. If you're just planning to make it a nine to five thing, you know, it's probably not the right situation for you. Yeah. Even going back to what you said about the uh, being in college, I remember, uh, just like emailing people and when you say you're like a student they're more willing to help you than if you're obviously not a student and i think people love giving advice and 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 it's genuine yeah but once you once you're out of school they look at you asking for a job or asking for a sale or or Mm -hmm. something and at that point it goes back to you know you need to learn to say no more Yeah, yeah for sure for sure are you ready for some fun questions they're gonna go from average to savage oh excellent bring it (laughs) All right. Uh, what's your favorite song right now? That is, that's actually a real good question. I mean, <laughs> I, I have heard Ride With Me uh, a million times, but always when you see that audience and how energized they get when, when he sings that mm-hmm. and pr- when that music first comes on, it, it, it's amazing. So the energy is, is wrapped around that. And, you know, just when you see an artist perform it, you know the history behind it. It's, yeah. I think there's more of an emotional tie there. For sure, for sure. Uh, who's one person that you never work with that you want to work with? Oh, that's actually a, a, a great question. I, I think someone that would be interesting and make me laugh probably more than anything would probably be Two Chains. And looking at what he's doing and World's Most Valuable, 
yeah. or mo- most expensivest. So he, he, I think, would be funny as all get out to work with. All right. I like that. What do you think the hardest part is of being an entrepreneur? Uh, as you're growing a business, constantly begging for money yeah. and then making those tough decisions on employees. Because as your business grows, some people just don't grow fast enough with it. And, uh, you know, while you believe in loyalty, you know, sometimes you got to remove people ahead of <laughs> ahead of when you want. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate you coming on. And could you let the people know where they can find you on uh, social media? Uh, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm also on Facebook as well and Twitter and Instagram. So, All right. Once again, I appreciate you coming on. Paul, great hearing from you and, and great talking. I can't wait to uh, hear Jay's thing so I can make fun of him. <laughs> All right. <laughs> awesome. Thanks.